everybody, this is James, Marco, Nabil, and Mikey. And this is the Movie Pals Podcast, podcast number 168. Today we are continuing our hilarious films, Forgotten in Time, with a pick that I, I actually picked out here for the film Kung Pao Enter the Fist from 2002. And then we are going a, a bit back, I guess I would say, guys, for a review of the new 4K remaster of Footloose from 1984. So without further ado, let's jump into our topic of the week. It's the topic of the week. All right, so we are getting into our hilarious films forgotten segment here in time. This week, we are doing James's pick, which was Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. Now, after a lifetime of training. Hmm. Hey, who's he? I don't know. The Chosen One has returned. If you truly are the Chosen One, then you must bear the sacred mark. To deliver the people from the forces of darkness. And to check out the hotties. Be not concerned of her shyness, for it will pass. There you go. This is uh, came out in 2002, and it's currently sitting with a 13% in Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know if that's going to increase. I feel like there's a chance, but maybe not. We'll have to see. <laughs> Time will only tell. Jesus. The film's uh, synopsis is it's a rough around the edges martial arts master seeks revenge for his parents' death. This was directed and written by Steve Odekirk, who actually also did Ace Ventura when Nature Calls, Nothing to Lose in 97, as well as that Nickelodeon film Barnyard in 2006. This film was released on March 29th in 2002 with a budget of only $10 million, which I feel like is high for what they did in this film. <laughs> but it did have, a, a, I wouldn't say it made its money back, but it did have some small success with $17 million. So not too bad. This was starring Steve Odekirk, who actually played as the main character, The Chosen One. Wei Lu Shen came back into this film from the grave, I guess, as Master Tang. Fei Lung, Master Pain, as uh, also known as Betty. Ling Ling Si as Ling. Lao Kar Wing as Wimplow. And Banjo. He's a dog. So before we go and talk a little bit about what why James picked us, this film for us to, to watch and give us his take on it, I want to actually do what we usually do and get the take from everybody else. So I'm going to start with you, Mikey. What history do you have with this movie? Uh, so last uh, last pod, I said I actually had seen this movie, and I actually got this confused with another kung fu movie. So I have never seen this one. So this is oh, my first experience ever seeing this one. Wow. I actually have never even heard of this movie. Uh, so this is, yeah, it's it's brand new. Never, I didn't even know what it was about because I just got it confused with another film. So very interesting. Okay, I'm gonna definitely probe you more than on your take of here because uh, I felt like I envy you watching this for the first time. Marco, what about you? Was this? Do you have any history with this movie? Yeah, I used to watch this movie a lot with friends back in the day. I can't remember if I saw it in theaters or when it came out on DVD, but I just remember having small watch parties with friends and putting this on just to have like a laugh. It was super freaking hilarious back in the day. I'm actually surprised Mikey hadn't heard of it because in my mind, I, I felt like this movie has been heard from everybody. Like everyone I ran into had heard of this movie or would talk about it or quote it. It's very quotable. So it's, that I'm interested to see what Mikey's thoughts were on this movie, but that's my experience. Yeah, well, certainly it's it's definitely the same experience with me. I rented this quite a bit when I was a kid, and it was there was it was so ridiculous <laughs> that it was funny. And my brother and I would be quoting this film all the time, making fun of yeah, the, especially uh, Ling Ling Si with her funny noises that she would be making when she was crying. So it, there was definitely a lot of oh, quotable moments, like you said, in this film where I just kind of reiterated and would say with my brother. So yeah, there's some, some fond memories uh, when I was younger, but it was always Betty for me. It was, Betty yeah. was also, 
<laughs> Those stupid noises he just included. Mikey. All right. So what did you think about this movie since it's the first time? I'm really curious to see what your take is as an adult <laughs> seeing this film for the first time. Uh, I mean, I liked it. I thought it was funny, but it got it got old fast for me. Like there was a lot of the same style of humor throughout the whole movie. And you guys just mentioned like the, the thing that bothered me the most is like the little noises that the that Betty did and that Ling did. Like they they kind of annoyed me. Like like half of the movie was over. I'm like I'm done with these two characters. Um, but the rest of the film, I liked. I thought it was funny. Like you guys, very quotable uh, lines that come throughout. I mean, the animation of the animals and the baby at the beginning, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I thought those, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, can you tell they're not very great? I mean, yeah, but they're still, I mean, it kind of fit in the movie, really, to be honest. But uh, yeah, they, they were really good. I, I, I mean, I, I like those parts there, uh, very quotable parts, just random stuff happening. Um, but I just thought they did a little bit too much of the same thing over and over again. So, but it was fun. And and what about you, Marco? Coming in at, as a sixty-five-year-old man, do you feel like this still holds true to you? Like from when you were in your forties? A little bit, not not as much as it was back then, but I, I still found myself laughing at the stuff that I would remember, like the Wimplo stuff. The fact that the the whole the whole joke was that he just they trained him how not to fight and how to be like the worst fighter ever as a yeah. gag. And he keeps like mentioning these moves that get his ass whooped, and it's 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 just so stupid. Uh, of course, Betty, dude, it just everything Betty. Like when he's say they do these weird edits. Obviously, they do it for the whole movie, but they do it in this one scene because they they got to splice two fucking scenes to make this scene work. Yeah. So the, the <laughs> gag is that he's a fucking magician. And so the guy's clothes keeps going from red to black. And so every time it's about to switch, you just quickly say, Your clothes are red. Your clothes are black again. <laughs> and I don't I don't know why, man. But that shit just kept killing me. It, it's not a perfect movie by far. The the CG didn't age well. I didn't really like the animal fight scenes. That scene, I never actually really liked that scene, even back then. I thought it was just sort of like filler time. And I was like, let's go back to the actual funny shit. Like, let's get rid of this. You know, I I felt that uh, mainly just that and and the CG didn't really work. But most of the comedic moments worked for me and still made me laugh. Yeah, yeah, honestly, I'm in the mindset of both of you guys in between. I have a lot of nostalgia for this film. So some hearing some of the dialogue and remembering some of the scenes definitely had me laughing out loud a few times, but as we continued on, it did get a little stale going through it and hearing the same jokes. There were some funny aspects, especially some of the fight scenes and Mm -hmm. where they would create their own scene that obviously wasn't from the original movie. That was kind of funny because it it brought a little bit of originality to it too. I do agree, Marco, the animal stuff. I never, I never thought was that entertaining to begin with when it came out. it, It seemed just, weird as a part of it but like the beginning part with the baby i thought that was still hilarious so yeah I, even the cg was old um that whole scene was pretty funny to deal with and i like that they played it up in the in the sense of knowing that this is supposed to be silly and so they just like you were mentioning about playing on the tropes of yeah. your changing colors in your uniform or your, you know, the, the noises that he's making or when they're walk that master Chang is walking down and singing the nursery rhyme song, you know, like it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a random thing that like, he wouldn't be saying that, but it's hilarious. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean those those off-putting things were what really added to the hilarity of it. Still, so <laughs> when when you got something that wasn't part of the the normal thing they'd lean into, which is again some of those noises in the weird uh, part of where they're trying to make these added filler scenes, it genuinely did kind of keep its originality and made it continue to be funny. But you I, know, speaking of the funny thing, I know. Go go ahead, Marco. I was going to say, I, I watched this with my son, Xander, and just like Mikey, he'd never seen it before, too, and he he liked it. He was laughing his ass off, and he, he still quotes the movie, so, I mean, he obviously he just recently saw it, but 
we quote the movie back each other, back and forth to each other. So that was pretty hilarious. Yeah, definitely. As a kid, I feel like I resonated way more with it as a child, more more so than now. But it was, like I said, a lot of nostalgia. So some of those memories came back and made it even more funny just remembering that part of it. And and Mikey, just to go to you. So did you you've touched on a few things? Did you really think it was funny, or do you feel it was kind of middle of the road for you? What were your thoughts on that comedy aspect? Yeah, I'm kind of a little above middle of the road. I mean, I, I would like the the action scenes when they try to make funny things happen. There's a scene where like he punches a hole in a guy and it's like a perfect circle. Yes. And there's even a narrator that kind of talks about it. And I just thought those those little tiny additions, it just made it hilarious to me. Like those kind of things. And then we already kind of mentioned like the dialogue is very quotable, just outrageous. Uh, the small things they do. There's a butterfly that flies in a guy's mouth like three times. Uh, and he's just like randomly talking. Oh, and he's like coughing up stuff. Uh, and I don't think we actually mentioned it. If you guys have never seen this movie, it's basically an old movie where they ripped all the audio off and they just put a whole bunch of new audio on it. So, and then they splice scenes like Marco was saying earlier. So just the fact that it's another movie and you know that in your head that this is not what they're talking about, it just makes it funny anyways, just looking and, and hearing it. I never, I never noticed this. It was the first, I've seen this movie many times. It was the first time I ever noticed that uh, towards the end, they CGI'd a name tag on Betty that said Betty on it. (laughs) (laughs) So stupid. Because people kept forgetting his name or kept mispronouncing it. Betty. (laughs) They keep calling him the wrong name. So I definitely want to get, obviously, here more from james specifically so let's let's just give this the star rating on the funny scale i want to go to you marco first what did you give this as far as how funny you thought it was i give this one a four it's very funny uh, i think that you can watch this and kind of relax and kick back and enjoy the silly funny goofy jokes in it so yeah pretty funny how about you mikey uh, i give it three and a half i think it might be funnier if you see it in a group um, I did see yeah. this by myself, so I think you could kind of riff off people if you saw it in a group. So it might have been better, but yeah, I gave it three and a half for my side. That's fair, and I gave it three stars as well. And I did watch it alone as well, so I do think a group Jesus. would help kind of add that more to it. But it was quite funny, so I, I will give it that. <laughs> so let's let's go to James. Let's get your history of this. Why did you pick this film? What did you think was good about this pick for this segment? Well, I'm glad most of you guys enjoyed it for the most part. But yeah, this is definitely a movie I think that best works in a group group setting or at least watching it with someone else. Even though I did watch it by myself and I was crying from laughing still. <laughs> so <laughs> I actually saw this oh, in theaters man. when it first came out in uh, oh, really? 2002. My brother just turned, this is for his birthday. I remember we went, me, him, two, two of his friends and my dad went to go see it pretty blind to it all because back then i i don't remember it being so easy seeing trailers and at least they don't reveal they they showed it leading up to it and i remember thinking like we have to see this somehow you know (laughs) this looks funny and i wasn't really aware of steve odeker he's like best friends with jim carrey i don't know if you guys could notice that his sense of humor is very close to Jim Carrey. He's also written mm. a lot of Jim Carrey movies that Jim Carrey's been in, like Evan Almighty or sorry, Bruce Almighty. He's got a nice six pack too. It's pretty fat. He's pretty He's ripped for a comedian yeah. guy, right? Yeah. He also created Jimmy Neutron. I don't know if you guys are aware of that oh, as that's well. Cool. So Jimmy Dang. Neutron is his creation. So that's why he probably had the barnyard stuff afterwards too. But I'm a big fan of parody films, and this movie is maybe one of the ultimate parody films because it's literally a martial art. <laughs> artists are like some unknown film not very well known that he took <laughs> he I, I don't know if you also do this but steve odeker does all the voices in here as well outside yeah. of the outside of the lady woe or whatever in the movie but he basically did that and he that's why everything is so silly it's just it's a really goofy movie obviously it's not great the ending yeah by the by the end it does teeter off a bit by the end of the film in my opinion but i think for the most part it still holds up with comedy. That's I'm really glad that Zan liked it, by the way, Marco. So yeah, he he can't stop quoting the movie. I've we, been we, quoting it too since I've seen it last week. I, I you guys know you guys play Fortnite with me. I've just been quoting yeah. it. Oh yeah, just I'm, every- I'm a little jealous. I didn't pick this one. I I 
can't believe I didn't think of this one, dude. So good, good. This pick. has been a movie that I've I used to, I used to do the same thing too, Marco. I don't. We had it on DVD, but before that, I don't know. We might have rented this movie quite a bit afterwards. That's what I did was rented. We didn't let yeah. buy like buy a lot of movies until a certain time until things okay. came out, and then we found it cheap or something. Like, oh no, we'll buy it on DVD. It never has uh, ripped blockbuster and Hollywood Video. <laughs> Basically, there were so many times. Hollywood video, we rented something. We're like, we could have bought this four times over again. What are we doing? <laughs> it was on like $5 for a week. That's why it's cheap. Probably. But for the most part, I, I like the play that it's bad dubbing as well. So Steve Odekirk also, for any of the scenes where they're actually talking or he's talking, he's not actually saying that line. He's saying something completely <laughs> saying different. Saying something different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's a scene where he's just going crazy. He's like, I implore you to reconsider, you know, things like that just <laughs> kind of blows my mind. <laughs> Or like Master Tang is saying something and he's nodding and then he's like, do you understand? He's like, no. <laughs> Stuff like that is just so stupid, man. I mean, he even voiced over the dog in one scene. Yeah. yeah. He buys the nuts Tang. at the end. That's a lot of nuts. <laughs> he's uh, He just bought, he's just leaving the store and he's got nuts. <laughs> I think Master Tang is the funniest person that he's created in this. It's almost yeah. like how we sometimes create characters of our own. Maybe I yes. got a little inspiration from this back in the day, and that's led to my adult life because I'm a child deep down inside. And it's just, <laughs> just I even I, I forgot how much things I say from this movie even now, and I haven't seen this movie probably since mid two thousands. Most likely was the last time I saw this movie, so it's it's been quite some time. And for instance, like I say memento all the time, and I forgot it's from this movie. <laughs> I say that all the time. Memento. Uh, yeah. Every time I'm with Jelly and I find something, like, oh, memento. <laughs> then I realized it was from this. I was like, I've You're been doing, doing the voices the whole time. Yeah, it's I've like, been doing stuff like that. I, or the new Sporn song. Say I, say, too. I say, oh, Birdie all the time. Birdie. Birdie. Tiger. Or Neo. Nah, 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 nah. Sporn. <laughs> I'm like, well, well, that's why I, where I got it from. Okay. Uh, but, you go that way, I go home. I use that one a lot. <laughs> you go that way, I go home. <laughs> yeah, but it's definitely, obviously, it's it's a stupid movie. There's, it probably deserves the thirteen percent from a from a cinematic standpoint. It's it hasn't yeah. aged well the CG. I think it is creative. It is it is made for a younger audience, obviously. So I do have nostalgia, like you said too, uh, Nabil and Marco, but. Zan's probably about the right age for it too. Yeah, I agree. I, think I saw oh, yeah. this when I was probably. Yep. I mean, I was older. I was twelve or thirteen. And I thought it was hilarious. You catch a little more jokes every time you see it, and yeah, that's why. That's why I thought it was a good pick. Just because, although Marco, you think a lot of people that you'd be surprised how many people are not aware of this movie. Like, yeah, that's that's crazy. I just, I don't know. Maybe it's just my own little bubble. Yeah, I think it's like I just, that too. Uh, it, obviously, it didn't do the greatest. He has stated that they did make a profit because they had very little advertising for this movie. So this mm-hmm. movie did actually do okay. It wasn't great. They so were playing on a sequel and it just never came sequel. through. Yeah, yeah the, the sequel was supposed to come out, but mm-hmm. it just never happened. But it was a nice rewatch. So that's what I, I think. It still shows that. Yeah, even though it's got a thirteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes, it shows that. You know, sometimes those scores aren't really fair. You know, it, it doesn't really capture the true ens- essence of that movie. And maybe you should still give these movies a shot. You know, yeah, this is a quite an entertaining film still. Even like I said, as an adult watching it, it doesn't hold up as well as when I was as a kid. But your son obviously really liked it. And mm-hmm. I found a lot of aspect of it that I still thought was funny. So there's there's some redeeming qualities from it, even if it doesn't hold up. So yeah, yeah. exactly. It's yeah. not, it's not like uh, cinematic art, but it's still entertaining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not every movie has to be that fresh 60% or higher. As we know, we, we all like plenty of movies that are considered quote unquote rotten. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> well, with that, if we have nothing else to add, I think it's safe to go and hear from you, Mikey, what our last film pick will be. For our hilarious films, Forgotten in Time. And uh, I picked the 2006 film, Grandma's Boy. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay. That was almost my other movie. Yeah. Same. That was that was my one of my runner-ups. Man, it was hard, man. I, all the movies I was picking was like, this is too popular or it's too new to be forgotten. I was like, man, this is the oldest one I could think of on my list. So That's That was my issue too, Mikey. 100%. Another very quotable film that I haven't seen in quite some time, but excited to check that out again. Be a good run. 
to watch again. Awesome. So Grandma's Boy will be our next, or, or technically our finale here of Hilarious Films Forgotten in Time. So let's, without further ado, let's get into our review of Footloose. He's the new kid in town, and the music's on his side. Let's dance! Footloose. So, Footloose from 1984, not the 2011 remake. It's sitting at a 55% of Rotten Tomatoes. And the synopsis is, a city teenager moves to a small town where rock music and dancing have been banned. And his rebellious spirit shakes up the populace. Directed by Herbert Ross, who directed the 1977 film The Turning Point, 1989's Steel Magnolias, and 1987's The Secret of My Success. Mm. This is written by Dean Pitchford, who also... I don't know if you know, he's a really famous. I believe he's a playwright as well. He does a lot of musicals. So he did sing in 1989 and also wrote the 2011 remake of Footloose. This was released on February 17th, 1984, with a budget of $7.5 million. And it was a huge box office success, breaking in $80 million. And this stars Kevin Bacon as Ren McCormick, Laurie Singer as Ariel Moore, John Lithgow as Reverend Shaw Moore, Diane Weist as Vimore, Chris Penn as Willa Hewitt, Sarah Jessica Parker as Rusty, and John Laughlin as Woody. Let's start with our history of Footloose with you all. I'm going to start with you, Mikey. What's your history with Footloose? Uh, so I've seen this long time ago. It's been a very long time since I've seen the original. I have seen the remake probably four or five times since oh, wow. it came out. My family likes it, so we just put it on every once in a while. I'm not going to lie. I actually like the, the remake as well. Yeah, the remake is really, really good, actually. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of differences, actually, going back to see this one. So, but yeah, I, I've seen them both. Uh, I've seen the second one more so than the first. Yeah. What about you, Nabil? Yeah, I, I haven't probably seen it for a better part of maybe 10, 15 years. Jeez, Closer okay. to when the, <laughs> yeah, when the last uh, Footloose, well, when the Footloose remake came out. Once again, I, I was, think we saw this together, man. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we did too. I think we the so. last time I watched this was with was with you. So yeah, it's it's been a minute. But before before that, I I'd, I'd seen it a couple times on TV. The, the, it's really the music that I remember a lot of, and then some of the dance scenes that went along with it. So that was a lot of my history. But it wasn't something that was, we'll say, in my rotation. It I would watch it if it was on TV. Which is, I think it played yeah. plays quite a bit on TV, or used to at least. Right. Marco, what about you? I've never seen this movie. I know it's been parodied and quoted so many times. It's got a killer soundtrack, and I've heard many songs off the soundtrack before. Never knew really it was in the soundtrack for this movie, which is weird because I I was a big Kevin Bacon fan back in the day when he was bringing out smash hit after smash hit movie. Just never really was interested in this movie. It never really caught my attention or my eye. And so many people have been telling me, you should check it out. You should check it out. And well, it looks like I finally did. That makes sense. This one, I never I actually, knew there was a remake. Oh, really? Yeah, it came out yeah. in 2011. So that was probably the last time I saw it. Tell you the truth. I think this, I, I don't know if I had seen it before then or just scenes from it, too. This was not a movie that I like, grew up watching, so this was one of the the later parts because the remake had come out, I think, right before it came out. Nabil and I probably just watched it, that's why. We are big on that back then. We're like, we got to see yeah. the original Reese. <laughs> so we, so we get our six degrees of Kevin Bacon and connected it to everything, right? So, <laughs> for the most part, the yeah, it's just, it wasn't in my, either, it wasn't in my roundhouse either, really, Nabil. Like, it wasn't one of those movies where... We didn't even own it, so there was there's no and it was one of those movies we definitely saw at like Hollywood Video, for instance, but mm-hmm. not one of the ones as a as a teenager or a kid. I was, oh, let's go check out this movie from the eighties yeah. with Kevin Bacon. We're <laughs> wanting to pick dancing, it up. Yeah. Dancing band <laughs> from their town. <laughs> so let's get into the movie though, Nabil. Let's start with you here. 
just some brief thoughts on the film here. What did you think about your rewatch of Footloose? It was not what I remembered it was going to be like. I feel like a good I felt, thing or bad thing. I don't I don't know how I felt about it. I enjoyed the the story as a whole and the dance scenes were fun. The music was the music the soundtrack was killer. Like great. I love 80s music. Oh, it was yeah, great sound, soundtrack. Yeah. yeah it's fire. I forgot how many songs were actually technically debuted in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the just I was just rocking to the music the whole time. So I'll say that it really gives the film a lot of energy. Uh, and Kevin Bacon is, is fun in this film too. I don't really like uh Lori Singer <laughs> so in this film. She was fine, I suppose, but I was like, I don't really like her motivation and what she's doing and everything. I was like, oh, what was me? We're being perfect. So, but I mean, that's a trope of the 80s film. So that's more me now as an adult than I am thinking about it as from age perspective. But the film was was good. The story was fine. I Like you said, James, I kind of remember enjoying the, the sequel more so, or the uh, remake more than this and watching it again. I'm like, yeah, I feel like I remember enjoying that one more too. I hear you there. Marco, what about you for a first time view? I enjoyed it, man. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. That intro at first with the feet dancing, I, th- I thought that was kind of interesting. I'm like, oh, it, it's weirdly cool, enough, right? it kind of reminds me of Ferris Bueller and the Blues Brothers when everyone's like kind of dancing, but it's just focused on the feet. I thought of the Breakfast Club for some reason. That's what it is. Yeah, oh, that too. That's, yeah. That, that, to trigger, that triggered for me immediately. I, I was like, mm-hmm. I want to yeah, dance too. That's good. I was, a little, I, was, I was bopping around a little bit. I was nodding my head, you know? <laughs> it, it was entertaining. The plot is, you know, pretty simple about, you know, censorship of music and oddly enough, dan- dancing, I guess. But I, I watched this one also <laughs> with Zan. <laughs> Obviously, never seen it too. So I'm like, hey, we're going to watch a movie where, you know, People aren't allowed to dance, and he's like, "Why aren't they allowed to dance?" I'm like, "We're about to find out, buddy." I don't yeah, know. There you go. That's the way to look at it. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's let's go on this adventure together. And he he enjoyed it too. He thought that dancing was pretty cool. The, those scenes were definitely re- really well choreographed. I like that. Uh, the characters, I think, were pretty entertaining for most part. Ke- Kevin Bacon, I I liked how smooth he was and how very like kind of nonchalant. Everything sort of just rubbed off him, and I was like, "Right on, man." I I really didn't have any problems with Lori. I kind of sort of felt bad for her character. Really, (laughs) like, dude, she like she's basically like stuck in the shell, and she's trying to figure out who the fuck she is, you know. And it's kind of hard when it's basically your dad that's the one that's imposing all these harsh laws, or at at the very least, influencing them. What I really didn't like was the the fucking bully guy. Uh, I'm you know I'm glad he got his eventually because. That dude fucking deserved a punch in the face so freaking hard. So they, they definitely do a good job of. I, I feel like that's a very eighties thing though of kind of overdoing yeah. it with him though, as yeah. Nabil was kind of saying with the eighties tropes. Surprisingly, so that, at least that's how I saw it. So yeah, surprisingly enough, the performances were pretty good too. I I expected more cheesy acting in this, but some of the lines were delivered pretty well there's some scenes with Lori and her dad uh i mean john lithgow always elevates a scene too but their interactions were really good you could believe it was a father and daughter arguing i'll, I'll go i'll go yeah, on we'll, later on yeah definitely definitely we, we have plenty of time here mikey what about you since you you've seen the remake a lot more obviously so what does it feel like coming back to the original one here yeah i was surprised actually how different the movies are even though They've there's a lot of the same scenes in both the movies, but this earlier version, there's a lot more like character development, I believe, in in these ones. They they just have a lot more like surrounding things that happen that kind of emphasize the things that happened in the remake. Uh, like they have the burning of books and stuff that are going like extreme, basically, in this older one. Uh, and it, it yeah, I mean, it, it worked for me. I, I actually like this movie much more than I remember liking it, uh, watching it again. So yeah, I mean, I just I just was surprised by like how different they were, even though they're the same story almost. I don't really remember too much about the 2011. I just re- I just have a review saying that I really liked it somehow. So <laughs> I went back and I looked at it. And I thought, oh, okay, cool. Because <laughs> I know I didn't remember. I, I remember I saw it in theaters too for the remake, but for this one, obviously, this is probably only my second or third time fully watching this one all the way through, and. I'm a little bit middle of the road on it. I, it didn't bother me. It wasn't as great as I wanted it to be, but 
that soundtrack is just too fire to not pass up on. And <laughs> something about Kenny Loggins, he was just he was just killing it in the eighties, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He <laughs> yeah. knew what he was doing that day. And that the hands down, just the Footloose song itself is iconic to me, at least. So it is it or is or the voice of Kenny Loggins? I don't know. I don't know. It's one of the two, right? Something about it just makes me feel like I can do cool shit. I'm like, I want to dance too. And I thought Kevin Bacon was great. I thought it was funny. I don't, I don't, I, I'm not trying to say anything bad about Kevin Bacon. It's funny that they're all like, he's so hot. And blah, blah. I'm like, he's okay looking, I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I felt like everyone had a huge infatuation with Kevin Bacon. And I was like, I guess for 1984, that's cool. But. Dude, when he looks into his mirror and tries to fix his hair and it pops up and it's like literally nothing happens at all, but he looks in the mirror and he like, <laughs> he like whips it back a little bit and then it just like flares back up where he's spiked up again. And I was like, dude, wh- why did you even try to do that? <laughs> it was strange, right? I saw that too. And I was like, I guess he kind of fixed it. Mikey's but- that said of that scene, he he didn't even comb his hair. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what's he making a big deal out of? I'm not sure, actually. I'm not quite sure, but I thought John Lithgow, I thought was really good. There's a scene near the end that I'll talk about, too, that I really liked from him. And he's sort of like, I guess he's not really the villain of the movie, but he's there's a reasoning behind everything that he does. And I guess the way to see it is he is doing something because he thinks it's the best way. I think that's why they also have the book burning in there, Mikey, in this one, because it's trying to correlate to like how extreme they're going to with certain things that seem silly. But then he thinks it's silly that they're destroying literature and the dancing and rock and roll being banned is quite frankly kind of hilarious. If you guys think about the plot overall, yeah. it's it's ridiculous actually because it just shows how you can become your own and worst enemy. But exactly. it, it really, really did happen, and and not just one town. It happened in many towns during that time period. Really? Okay, so it's. Yeah. Bit, I just I always just think of John Lithgow's character from Cliffhanger, and I'm like, this is what <laughs> this is what started him down the path of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's his origin Penn. story <laughs> yeah it's his origin story and then I thought Chris Penn was cool because he comes off I, I like how yeah. in the beginning you almost feel like he's going to be the bully but then they quickly become friends and you're like oh never mind Willard is a cool guy that was cool too did anything so or, overall what he reminded me of James <laughs> oh, right. probably because he danced <laughs> just as badly <laughs> so, rest in peace Chris Penn of course but yeah. Uh, so, what did work for you guys overall with the film then, and what surprised you, uh, Nabil? Honestly, it was the character development. I really like, like you guys mentioned, Chris Penn was was a good standout in this film. I really enjoyed him there. But John Lithgow, to what you were trying to to land on earlier, James, he's he's a preacher with compassion. He's yeah. he's doing something because it impacted him directly, and he's kind of the leader of the town. Uh, at least spiritual leader of the town, but he's not going into the far extreme of it all. He's just, it's just a specific thing that was going on that he's trying to do. And he cares about his daughter, cares about his family. And I think that was really well portrayed there. Same thing with uh, Kevin Bacon's motivations about coming from the city and thinking this is all weird and saying that, no, we should be able to move on from this and have, have our moment. And, not not to go too much into like specific spoilers or anything, but honestly, what he tries to accomplish wasn't overall mm-hmm. successful. But he got like a, a consolation prize essentially to make something happen. So it wasn't like he repealed the laws or anything, but he was able to find a, a loophole and get some blessings to make make uh, the dance happen. So the story itself is a very interesting story. I liked how they were told. I just I I you and I were talking a little bit, James, about like. Laurie Singer's character, Ariel, she puts herself in, in really tough positions, and I, I understand her motivation, but she she does get, I mean, she gets physically hurt, and, and she's trying to, like, just, they just pass it off, like, oh, you know, kind just a little do. bit of makeup will be fine, or, do. you know, yeah, like, nobody's questioning anything. This poor woman is being abused <laughs> and violently, you know, she's getting beat on, and... Yeah, and it, it, I, I would it wasn't it wasn't handled well, Nabil, but I I do like that she does. Unlike some of the other movies at the time, she stands up for herself at least. At like least she too, tries actually. to fight she back on Jimmy. Fights back. So, and, I, but I agree. I didn't like how they handled her getting beat up. And they're like, "Oh, you're, how's your eye doing?" It's like, dude, that's all you're gonna <laughs> I say. Saying, I was thinking the same thing, Marco. There, she says something 
I think there's a quote she says something to Ren where she says, "Do I look okay?" And he's like, "Yeah, you look fine." And then I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's how we're gonna do." It. <laughs> oh my god! I was like, "Yo, no one's acting." Because the guy is yeah. also isn't he like twenty two or twenty three? Like he's, he's older, like early twenties. She's supposed to be sixteen, seventeen. I'm just like, there's a lot that's wrong with this whole situation, and nothing's being done about mm-hmm. it. And but I guess I, again, the yeah, 80s. is it? Yeah, but is it also to the point where it's also like a story about letting go and it's about the reverend having to realize that she's not his son and that she has her own path to take as well, I guess is what they're trying to. Yeah, I I agree with that. Talk about Mm -hmm. Uh, Marco. What about you? Anything surprise you or anything falls short of expectations from the film? Mainly how people actually stood up for themselves in this and how not just Ariel, but even even Ren, how he wouldn't let up on his passion for dancing and music and how this silly law of banning this art was wrong. I, I like that he gathered, you know, students together and said, Hey, we, we got to do something about this and prove to these people that it's not, it's not wrong. You know, that, you know, it's it, like he said, it's, it's a way to express yourself and a, a way to, for people to come together. And that, that, that message like underlying the whole story, I think is what really surprised me that. And also the fire soundtrack too. I'm not much of a fan of uh, the footloose song myself, but I do like almost paradise and holding out for a hero a lot. And I'm like, Oh snap. They're, they're from this freaking movie. Dang. Yeah. uh, I actually love the footloose song. I used to go line dancing back in my college days and there was a line dance. that was for this and, it was it was awesome. So. <laughs> speaking, speaking of of the dancing, uh, the scene where they leave town, they go to the next town, and uh, they go to like a a bar slash club, yeah, to dance. I I really like that scene a lot, even though you know, home, <laughs> freaking uh, homeboy couldn't dance. Um, his uh, his friend, uh, I love his dance. Uh, excuses of why he's not dancing though. Oh yeah, uh, I felt bad for Willard in that scene, but. You know, it's, it, it kind of it makes for uh, comedic humor, but still all the choreography in the dance scenes and the way it was filmed, like, I kind of like that. It was very energetic. It was kind of dirty dancing-ish, kind of the way they filmed it. Kind of gave especially me those the, types of vibes. Yeah, I would say, especially the scene where one of the most famous scenes for this is the, I guess, the angry dance that Kevin Bacon does where he's... Kind of- <laughs> The warehouse scene. That is the one that is parodied the most out of this movie, I want to say. You guys have probably seen plenty of parts of it. But truthfully, man, if that's really him dancing all the time, Kevin Bacon does know how to dance like very well. He does. uh, Lastly, the other part that really stands out is when Ren and Ariel are in that, I think it's an old rail yard, and they see all these quotes, and he asks her what what it is, and she says this is where people come and they, they write down music lyrics things from books from magazines that they aren't allowed to have and some of them are actually original poems and the way it's filmed the the score in the background i felt like that was just such a good and powerful scene definitely mikey what about you anything about the plot overall that worked did you like the pacing of this one i know you like once again you've seen the remakes i think the pacing on that one if i recall is a little bit quicker but did the story overall work for you by the end did everything kind of come complete or was pacing off for you yeah, no, I liked it. Uh, you are correct, though, that the newer one, it's it's much faster paced than the original. Uh, but this one here, I, I didn't mind it at all. I actually thought the pacing was okay. Uh, they do take a little bit of like side turnings to like, you know, teach them how to dance. And there's, a, you know, subplots with uh, with Ariel. So they take a little like U-turns or side turns for these kind of stories to kind of be wrapped up. Um, you guys kind of mentioned a little bit Ariel's kind of thing uh, that wasn't handled very well. So there are like some of the subplots that did, I didn't think they did too well on. But the the main story and everything that goes with that, I thought they did a good job and the pacing was working out. I actually really like the John Lithgow progression you see. I think that really, I mean, James, you mentioned he's almost like a villain, but I, I think the city is actually the villain in this one. It's he a, started. A, yeah, man versus yeah. society, I would say, if you're going to go plot wise on it. Yeah, and, and so he started that whole revolution or you know, whatever you want to call it there, but you can see his progression of like he's seeing like how his daughter is changing and how you know Ren coming to town is is kind of progressing and everything. And you can see the progression he takes to being 
who he is at the end of the movie. And I, I really like that aspect of what they did there. It's much better in the old film than it is on the remake. And uh, it, was, it was just nice to see. Yeah, that's good. And we've, we've talked plenty about the music. I think the music works very well in this movie overall. The music is practically the standout for me. Truth be told. It's fine. Yeah. The, there, the, like Marco said, there's a lot of songs in here that you, you can see it, it listed on the credits in the end, like original songs. And it's a bunch of these songs that I think all of us have heard plenty of times. and didn't realize we're probably from Footloose. So shout out to the team behind doing all the music for this, this movie. Obviously they had hmm. a, kind of i guess you might say like a type of song or music they were going for and it just works and i think it still stands up so uh any scenes scenes particularly i know we've talked about a few already Nabil, but anything any big scenes stand out to you i i know we we've i guess we've touched on all the the big ones i do i will say though that ending scene was really I forgot how long that scene was, and it was fun. The whole time the was, dance itself, or yeah, the dance itself, and everything that's happening in it with the fight, and then just them. I I love the part where they're all just kind of wallflowers, and then Kevin Bacon's character shows up, Bryn, and just starts to cut loose, and everybody's like, "Okay, let's start doing." Like that's that was really fun to see that happen, and everybody get into the spirit of it, and. At first, I was I wasn't sure because of how the film just kind of ends, how I felt about it. But as it continued, on, I was like, you know what? No, I like how this this kind of high high note of we didn't like I said before we didn't win on everything, mm-hmm. but we got this, and I I enjoyed it more as I sat and thought about it. But that that whole dance sequence and everything going on kind of made me feel like we were watching actually watching a prom. It definitely does that, and I I do like how it actually kind of abruptly ends. You don't really know what's going to happen after. Yeah. For instance, they are technically not in the town, right? I believe when they, where they right get the city that, limits. So mm-hmm. Did anything really happen? Who knows? There's no sequel to this movie, so we just have to. Hope that <laughs> but it's everybody at least. open up their eyes. Yeah, uh, yeah Mikey, or, uh, Mikey or Marco, any scenes stand up for you guys? Just the real. We talked about it already, but the realization of uh, John Lithgow's character, the the Reverend, realizing what he's become. And finally being convinced, you know, I kind of like that, that the, the, I guess, quote unquote, villain or antagonist in this movie was convinced really by just them presenting the evidence and even using, he kept using Bible verses to combat this. And they finally use, you know, that to convince them and say, dude, it's in your own book that you read that this is totally legit. So what? you know what are you talking about that yeah, yeah. with the culmination of the the book burning also he's like dude what the hell am i becoming what the hell is this and and his wife too i you know i don't want to discredit diane weiss she was she yes. did well yeah. kind of convince him she that she didn't have a lot of scenes but the parts that she was in really i think impacted uh the reverend you know john lithgow's character's progression she it's stands up to him also yeah yeah, it's actually her character in the uh, the meeting or whatever they had at the end mm-hmm. or towards the end that said, "Hey, we should let him speak." So she's yeah. actually really pivotal in that section too. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said to Bill, also it shows that they didn't necessarily quote unquote win. Like the law didn't change or anything, but it still shows, yeah. hey, yeah. still if you speak up, if you stand up for this stuff, like you know, it could lead to to hopefulness. You know, changing like hearts that. and minds. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very it's I would say it's it's an uplifting story overall from that perspective. Looking at that, I I really like the scene at the end where uh, Shaw and his wife show up at the dance, but he doesn't want to go inside because he doesn't want his daughter to think like he's spying on her. As you know, Mm -hmm. there's certain scenes like that. And because there's an earlier scene in the film where they go to it's kind of like a Mel's diner, really. I just thought of American graffiti when I saw it. And people were dancing the weirdest shit in there. Like, is this normal? (laughs) Just like some (laughs) retro techno shit going on. I don't know what was going on with that, but everybody gets real quiet because they see that he's there and she doesn't realize that her dad's there. And he's like, Oh, you forgot your, I, I, I wanted to come by and give you money or something. And he finds out she's dancing and acting wild. And, to the end scene where he's there, he's like, oh, I don't want to bother her. But then he slow dances with his wife because he just they just kind of reminisce of when they were kids, too, or about that age. And I thought that was a really sweet scene. Mm-hmm. So. Very good. Uh, Mikey, were you going to say something? Sorry. No, no, I'm good. Uh, you guys kind of mentioned all the scenes that I would talk about already. The the room with the poems and the books was a really cool scene. Uh, the, the angry dance. And then I, I feel yeah. like when he's presenting the evidence, uh, I think those three scenes are like the ones that kind of stand out to me. 
to being really impactful. You guys think everybody looked too old? That's every yeah, they weren't movie. teenagers. That's every, yeah. that's every movie. Yeah, every time I saw Kevin Bacon, I was like, he's 23 <laughs> years old, man. The hell Except for Chris Penn. I do feel like his character did look yeah. like you know, an older up, teenager. Like, I forgot it was Chris Penn for a little bit until I, I was like, oh, this is like skinny Chris Penn. Oh. <laughs> Before like, Reservoir I mean, Bucks. he was very young in that film, too. I believe Super so. young, yeah. Super young. I, yeah. I actually really like the scene where Ren is teaching him how to... It's a montage, obviously, but he's teaching him yeah. how to dance. And I was like, oh, see, Ren's like a really good guy. There's not a lot to not like about him in this film. And I thought it was, they're just, you know, they're doing the foot and while then the still sitting in the car, he's trying to teach him how to get rhythm and he doesn't know <laughs> how to do rhythm. Then even while they're washing the car, he's trying to show stuff. I was like, okay, that's cool. No. It's, it's, it's silly <laughs> 80s shit really is what I, yeah. what I felt about it, but it works out for the most part. Uh, speaking of the cast, was there anybody else on the cast that you guys want to talk about or bring up outside of these characters? I really liked uh, Rusty, Cheryl Jessica Parker's character. I feel like she I was shafted. She was in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I forgot too. She was, uh, she was, all she wanted to do was dance. She was kind yeah. of relegated to being with Willard a lot of the times, but she she tried her best to, to give the good advice. And even though she liked Ren, knew that Ariel liked her more and was being a good friend, like she's just, she's just there being a good person around everybody. But I think she did a solid job. Uh, seeing her in in this role and for, I just forgetting how young she is, I'm like, wow, you're she's very. Childhood. The fight scene at the mm-hmm. end is funny because Willard's known to just start fights with people. Yeah, and he's he's trying to tell the guys like, come on, guys, I told Rusty I was going to fight anybody, and they're just kicking his ass. Kick. He's like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> and like, they come, they pull it through the end though. <laughs> Which yeah. it, it it almost starts off at like it's going to end really badly for everybody because of the brawl at the outside of the the dance hall by the train tracks and it's it's surprising they actually apparently Kevin Bacon because he knows how to dance knows how to just do fucking spin kicks on people and he's just well, he's a gymnast right no, or at least in the, I don't know in real life but in the movie he's supposed to be a gymnast so he's got some moves you start taking him out I was like okay alright Kevin Bacon I see you there I see you there <laughs> so we did see this in 4k there was it just released this week for the 4k re-release of this movie they did remaster it I know the build you saw it on disc, right? I did. Yeah. Okay, Mikey, Nabil, and I saw it on disc. Marco, you saw the 4K stream. What mm-hmm. did you guys think about the overall quality of the 4K remaster? I guess you might say the cleanup of it all. I thought it looked good. I don't know what they. I'm, I'm assuming they upconverted this one here. Definitely. I didn't really look into that, but uh, yeah. But I I really noticed on the Blu-ray. I, I popped it in for a little bit and watched a couple scenes just to kind of get a comparison. And there's a lot of film grain on the blu-ray version and there's really not that much on the 4k there is still um, this, some film grain they didn't do yeah. too much they do something sometimes with digital noise reduction but I, I think they did a pretty good job of keeping that because most people if you want to be pure with it you still keep some of that film grain but yeah and i didn't really notice the colors just because of the like the whole movie is just muted colors in the in the end know, but the, the last scene at the party you can really see the, the colors kind of pop so I think they did yeah. a pretty good job on that. I actually didn't think the sound was better at all. I thought it was about the same. It was about the same, yeah. There, it Nothing in this movie was amazing with sound. I would say there's one scene that I thought was kind of blurry for some reason, where the guy thinks he has a joint or something, goes in the bathroom. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but that scene looks I fucking am. terrible. Yep. It's like blurry. And I all I can think of was... That must have been really messed up already to begin with. There's no that was the best they could do because they they have a scene and I thought for a second I was like oh my stream messed up and I was like wait no this is a disc this is literally the scene this they, this is nothing nothing messing up here so that was the one scene that stood out to me where they go in the bathroom and he's like he flushes it down or he just he knows that they're fucking with him basically and yeah trying to get him kicked off yeah and from the look of it just that scene alone was the one that stood out to me I was like well why does it look so fucking bad so. Overall, it's it was a decent conversion from what I saw. And truthfully, I don't have the original Blu-ray, and I, I've never owned this digitally before, Mikey, so I had nothing to compare it with, but I'll take your word with it. I don't, I don't think the original 1080p conversion of this one was the greatest to begin with, so this is probably... Yeah. Well, we're probably going to find out the best this has probably ever looked, truth be told. So I agree. I think it looked okay. It looked pretty good. I've, I've been seeing a few other 4K remasters, and 
I, there were a lot of night scenes that were shot in this movie that still, for me, in my opinion, I was like, oh, was I guess maybe that's the best they could do. Also, kind of like what James was saying, but that, that's what I'm uh, thinking though, Marco. Like, I, it must have looked even worse before. Yeah, because I've seen a few others where I'm like, damn. Like, I just saw Young Guns, the 4K remaster that came out in '88, and I was like, god damn, this this looks a much brighter film, though. I would say, true too, but nice. Anything for you to build? Anything outside of that? No, honestly, the same thing. And I think I think it has to do with the setting and it being more muted, a muted palette of colors, and making it feel, even though it's like the early 80s it felt more like the late 70s with the apparel and everything they were wearing so i think that that the color didn't really help pop with it being up converted or anything like that but yeah and, and the same thing with what you guys said i felt like i didn't hear anything unique about the sound in this in this 4k disc i i want to say too that the the sound it's only i think it's just a 5.1 digit dolby true surround so it's we're getting spoiled yeah. with these atmos tracks <laughs> so this is definitely one of those ones where going into it now, we're like, well, why, why does it feel like it's off a little bit, you know, and not everything obviously needs that, but maybe coming. What was the last one that we we just did the raid? That's why that was such a insane sound profile coming to this one. But hey, this was still Dolby Vision. It still looked at least as best as it could. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, this is probably a movie I would rewatch. So let, yeah. With that being said, though, let's get into our star rating for this one, and if we'd recommend it, start with you, Nabil. I gave this film a three star out of five, and yeah, I, I totally would recommend it. I think it's it's a classic and worth a, a worth a watch. Uh, Marco, I give this one a three and a half out of five stars, and yes, I would recommend this movie. Nice, uh, Mikey. I also gave this one a three and a half, and I would definitely recommend it to anyone. I also gave this a three and a half stars, guys. Just let you know. So not a perfect film, but I think it is definitely worth a watch. It is a very classic 80s film. So if you've never seen it, I think this is definitely a rewatch. And if now's (laughs) the time to see it, if you've never seen it, check it out. It's in 4K. So definitely one of those movies. So with that being said, that's the end of the podcast here. Nice little nice little compact one here for you today. I want to thank everybody for listening. Marco, tell me how they can reach us. Listen and follow us on your favorite podcast service. Trust us, we're on all of them. For a quick link to all our socials, visit linktree slash moviepalspod. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash moviepalspod. Thank you and make sure to smash that subscribe button so you never miss an episode through this dance or the next dance. Also, if you like TikTok, we are just starting there. You'll see... Uh, intros to our podcast here and that's at movie pals pod make sure to also stay tuned for our next episode episode number 169 where we will be reviewing dune part two as well as mikey's pick for our final film in our segment of hilarious films forgotten in time grandma's boy thank you guys until next time this is james marco nabil and mikey have a great one